Hey, Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church Audio Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have our last message of the year of 2012. This message is entitled, What You Are Not Called to Be, and is delivered by one of the members of our teaching team, Al LeBlanc. this message, Al's talking about one of the largest stressors in our lives is trying to be something that we were not intended to be. So a great message to hear at the end of this year, uh, looking forward into next year, becoming the people that God intended us to be. So let's head to the talk, North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown Covington. Thanks for listening wasn't really very helpful, Crispin, but, uh, but th- thank you anyway. Uh, it, it is sort of catchback. Uh, as Crispin said, my name is Al LeBlanc. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit, of, of a very brief amount about my background. Uh, I was born and raised on the South Shore in Kenner, and I was raised Catholic until uh, about age 17. I went to, dutifully went to Catholic Church. Uh, my parents made sure that I did that. And at age 17, I went to LSU. And uh, many of the people in this congregation, I've come to find out, were very active in their spiritual lives in college. Uh, I kind of went the other way. If any of you ever saw the movie Animal House, uh, that was pretty much me. Uh, and I took a, a brief hiatus from, uh, from Christian living from age 17 till about age 55. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and that, that's, uh, that's true. It's uh, about 38 years, and, and I'm uh, not particularly proud of that, actually, but uh, that is true. Uh, and uh, at about age 55, I guess it was in the early 2000s, I uh, began to feel like what I was doing was probably not the best thing, and, uh, and maybe I needed to search for some other things. And Judy and I, we started going to some churches on the South Shore, and actually the, the main thing I was doing at that time was I was starting to participate in a Bible study, and, and I learned a good bit from the Bible study, and we began to go to the South Shore Vineyard Church. Uh, I think we now call it the New Orleans Vineyard. Uh, and we were participating in the church before uh, Hurricane Katrina, but not really very much. We mainly just attended the services on Sundays. Uh, after Katrina, we did a little bit more. And in 2007, Judy and I moved to the North Shore, and we kind of went through the whole church hopping thing all over again. Uh, that re- wasn't really working out too well, and we wound up going back to the South Shore most of the time. Uh, and then when Crispin decided to plant this church, that was just a natural thing uh, for us to do was to participate in the church plant. And so we've been participating in the North Shore Vineyard uh, for the last few years. Uh, as Crispin said, uh, he asked me to be on the teaching team. And a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, I think Zach was speaking, and he mentioned how we were introduced to the teaching team, and my recollection was really very much like Zach's. But what I recall was that Crispin invited us uh, to meet on Thursday mornings to sort of critique what he had done the previous Sunday, and then to maybe also do a little bit of work for planning for the upcoming message. Uh, he didn't tell us anything about we were going to have to do this ourselves. <laughs> so, so that was all a little different. But uh, one thing that he did do when he said that, it was, that he was going to ask us to speak was he gave us some flexibility as far as what our topics might be. And that actually turned out to be pretty easy for me. I, I, all I really had to do was look around our congregation, and, and I realized a couple of things. One, uh, and you can do this right now if you want to, uh, I'm by far one of the oldest people here. So that was one thing I observed. 
And another thing I observed was that we had a lot of younger people who were very stressed. And, and everybody, a lot of the folks just seemed to me to be very burned out uh, in, in what they were doing. And, and I began to realize when I was start of f starting to formulate this idea, that you start to get input and, and you start to realize that you know, maybe this is something uh, that you should speak about. And I was driving to work one day, and I heard a lady on one of the talk radio shows, and she, she mentioned that one of the main causes of stress, and you've probably all heard this before, uh, was that one of the main causes of stress was when people are trying to be something that they're not. Uh, and as Christians, we're often, you heard the song, Ruined Today, and that's, that's all about your calling and how the Holy Spirit works in you. And, and we talk a lot about our callings and what we're called to be. Well, if stress comes from, what, from trying to be something that you're not, uh, it occurred to me that maybe some of the stress that we're feeling and some of the burnout that we have is that we're trying to be something that we're not called to be. So uh, I decided to talk today about what you're not called to be rather than what you are called to be. So it's kind of a backwards way of thinking, but, but those of you who know me um, know that sometimes I kind of think backwards anyway, so that's just part of my process. But to, to know what you're not called to be, you, you do have to have some discussion of what you may be called to be. And, and the whole discussion of callings and all of that really is involved in Christianity. And for those of you who, who may be new, the idea of callings is based upon the spiritual gifts. Uh, and you do have an outline on the back of your announcements, and most of this is, is in your outline. Uh, but since I am new at this, I changed the outline around, and I'm not actually speaking in the same order that your outline is, but mo most of the parts are there, but you may find them in a different order. A and I do have the spiritual gifts listed. Uh, there, there's about 16 or 18 of them. Uh, I didn't really count them. Uh, they're in Romans chapter 12 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and they're the different things, uh, you know, about miraculous powers. You know, we, we hear about those, uh, and there's, they're listed, teaching, leadership, wisdom, knowledge, there's a whole bunch, faith, uh, giving and service are some of the more common ones, uh, and I'm not going to bother to go through the whole list, that's really not the, the point of the talk, but, but there are a, a lot of different callings that people have of a spiritual nature, and, and one thing that occurred to me is, you know, are we, do we really have all of those gifts? Are we, are we really, as Christians, uh, supposed to do all of those things? And, and when you look at that list, it's, it's really, you know, rather imposing. Uh, and when we look in the, in the Bible and we begin to, to, to look at the people in the Bible, uh, particularly the Apostle Paul always strikes me. Uh, he wrote over half of the New Testament. So when we're talking about the New Testament, we're frequently talking about Paul. And probably next to Christ, we know as much about Paul as, as anybody in the Bible. And, and Paul was extraordinary. Uh, when, when we look at him, we see that his introduction to Christ, the first, his introduction to Christianity, uh, and this is in Acts chapter 9, uh, that's the story about him seeing the risen Christ being knocked down and blinded. Uh, I would say that that's a pretty dramatic introduction to Christianity. Uh, I don't know about anybody here, but I have not personally had that experience. But that's the way Paul started, okay? Then he was healed from his blindness, and he was told that he was going to go out and he was going to minister to the pagan world, that his job was going to be to go out to all the pagans and try to teach them Christianity. And he did that. So, I mean, that, that'll give you an idea of how motivated he was. And, and then you look at what he went through. And uh, I had the, this is in Second Corinthians. He was shipwrecked three times. 
He was beaten with rods. I don't even know what that's like, but what, beaten with rods three times. He was flogged. I don't know how you distinguish between being beaten and being flogged, but that's not good. He was stoned. He was imprisoned. He founded churches. He worried about the churches that he founded. And then he was martyred. And my gosh, you, you know, we look at the spiritual gifts, all these things, and we look at the life of Paul, and we say, my gosh, I need to do all that stuff. I'm falling short. Well, well, if that's our goal, and if that's what we are trying to be, uh, it occurs to me that it's not much wonder that we, we fall short. Uh, that, that's, that's a tough, tough act to follow. Uh, fortunately, uh, Paul, uh, in some of his epistles, particularly in 1 Corinthians, he, he explains that that's really not the game plan. So if we've got this vision of that's what we're called to be, that's, that's really wrong. Uh, and, and even Paul explains that it's not. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to read this because I'm not too good about memorizing the scriptures. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 4 through 5, Paul says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. In verses 7 through 10, I'm going to kind of paraphrase this part. He says, to one there is given a certain gift, and to another there is given a different gift. And then in verse 11, he kind of wraps it up, and he says, all these are the works of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So, so you, you realize that, that really it's not that we may all have these gifts to different degrees, but the Holy Spirit gives you these different gifts in different amounts, and not everybody is supposed to do the same things. Uh, Paul went on to describe uh, in a little bit more detail in Romans chapter 12. He said uh, that this is about the body of Christ, and many of us have heard this story. But the, the, the scripture reads, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. And again, it's that same point. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. It doesn't say that we all have all the gifts to the same amount. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. And he, he used the analogy of the, the, the body parts and the body of Christ. And, and we've, we may be familiar with that story and we tend to think of, okay, well, the body of Christ, I understand that. You know, what does that mean? Well, you know, the body's got eyes and it's got ears and it's got arms. And, you know, we say, well, okay, so I don't really necessarily have to be the brain. You know, I can be the eyes. But, boy, the eyes, that's a really important job. And if we put this in context, we may say, well, you know, I don't know that I'm quite up to be in the eyes. You know, maybe I need to be the feet. You know, I can kind of trudge along and, and I, can, I can carry the body and, and I'll, I'll be the feet. Well, I think even that is somewhat of a glorification of our roles. If we really realize the concept of a body, the, the body's not only got feet, you know, it's got toes and it's, it's got toenails. Uh, and, and those are body parts. And those are parts of the body. And, and sometimes maybe our role is to, is to not even be the toe, but uh, maybe our role is to be the toenail. Uh, but... You know, we, we have these different jobs and we have these different things to do. Uh, and, and we talk about these spiritual things, and, and I want to digress here for a minute because our life really should all be a spiritual life. We, we tend to, to 
compartmentalize what we're doing today. We say, well, that's my spiritual life. I go to church and I sing songs and, and maybe I volunteer and I make coffee or I help out in the children's ministry uh, or maybe I go visit the sick and that's, that's my spiritual life. But, but then I have, and, and I've talked to Crispin about this, and neither one of us could come up with a, a better phrase, but I'm going to call it our earthly circumstances. And, and I'm going to refer to that part as being what we tend to call our day-to-day lives, you know, our jobs and going to the grocery store, putting gas in the car. We really shouldn't distinguish those things. That's all part of our spiritual life. You don't know who you're going to run into at the grocery store. Uh, if the gas pump isn't working and you're kicking the tires on the car and you're cursing, you're not really giving a very good Christian example. Uh, you know, you're living with your family. You're interacting with them. That's all part of your spiritual life, okay? Cooking a meal, that's all part of your spiritual life. But for the purpose of, of this example, I'm going to try to differentiate between the more spiritual things and those more day-to-day things. I'm, I'm just going to call them our earthly circumstances. Uh, we couldn't come up with a better phrase. Um, but that's also part of your Christian life. It's just a little different. And, and in, in trying to compare the, the spiritual body of Christ and that foot and toe and toenail thing, that's a little hard to visualize, but I have a better example, and it actually has to do with the work that we did in this building. Uh, this past summer, we were in a much smaller, for those of you who might be new, we were, yes, you got a question? <laughs> we'll take questions later, okay, that's all right. <laughs> we were in a kind of a small building around the corner, and we got this building, and it was a train wreck. Uh, and, and Crispin decided we needed to get the building in shape in about a month to have our first service here. And, and it, was really, it was really a disaster. And, and I remember coming over here to work one time, and I I'm, was thinking, this, this is going to be tough. Uh, it needs electrical work. It needs plumbing work. It needs carpentry. It needs paint. Uh, and I was literally driving over here one day to volunteer, and I'm thinking, boy, I don't know how I'm going to do those things. And, and I'm thinking, uh, it's going to be stressful, and, and I'm going to be trying to do this stuff. And uh, I actually started off in electrical engineering as in school. Uh, my father was an electrical engineer, and I'm terrible with electricity. Uh, <laughs> I, I shocked myself a few times, and, and I, I quickly realized that was not my calling. And I said, you know, s- suppose I'm called upon the, to do electrical work. I'm going to be a disaster. And, and I'm almost equally as bad at plumbing. Uh, so, you know, what, what are we going to do? Well, I got here, and, and I was really, uh, I can't tell you how, how pleasantly surprised, uh, or, or not surprised, but just how pleased I was. Uh, it turned out well, we've got a very good electrician. Uh, Zach Wilson is great. Uh, Dan Nitschke did a lot of the carpentry work. He kind of did all the framing and stuff for the, for the cry room back there. Uh, Mike Manifold's in the plumbing business and took care of a lot of the plumbing stuff. Andy McDonald's, I don't think Andy's here today. Uh, but Andy's a contractor, and for the stuff that we didn't have guys to do here in the in the church, Andy helped to organize the contractors. And I mean, those guys showed up on time. And, and I got here, and <laughs> you know what I wound up doing? Literally, I wound. No, no, no. I had a job, I, but that was close. <laughs> I wound up doing the touch-up paint with a small paintbrush in the corner of the bathroom behind the toilet. <laughs> That is a true story. But, but my point is, and, and I'm trying to paint this picture, uh, for that job, I was a toenail, okay? But, but, but I took great pleasure in realizing and great, great comfort and great joy in, in seeing other people who were gifted in different things doing their jobs. 
Uh, Crispin's a very gifted musician. When it comes to painting, not so much. <laughs> okay. Uh, so so we, we have these different gifts, and, and if we begin to recognize uh, that we have different gifts, and we have them to different degrees, and we also have different earthly circumstances, why is it that sometimes we all try to be everything? Well, well when you begin to put this in context, you begin to realize that that's just simply wrong. Uh, and usually it comes from our own ego. I don't know how many of you here have ever had this thought, but I would suspect most of us have had this thought. If I don't do it, it won't get done. Or, maybe I'll back off a little bit, if I don't do it, it won't get done right. Or maybe, if I don't do it, it's going to take too long. It's easier for me to do it. I can do it more quickly. Well, that is not the point, gang, at least not all the time. So that, that's kind of, you know, if we're not maybe going to, not quite up to Paul's standards, you know, we'll, we'll, are there some other examples that we can maybe shoot for? Uh, and there are. It turns out that there's some good stories in the Bible on, on just that point. Uh, one is the story of King David and his son Solomon. Uh, king David was the, the great warrior king uh, of the Jewish people in the Old Testament. He conquered almost all of, well, he conquered all of the, the enemies of the Jews, and he brought a period of peace to the, to the Jews that they had never had before. And it came time to, to build the, the temple, the great temple. Uh, and David actually wanted to bring, uh, build the temple. And, and God told him, you know, no, I, I don't think you're the guy. He said, the job is really for your son Solomon. Uh, and Solomon, the son of David, wound up building the temple. Now, God may have had different reasons, but you, know, you can kind of maybe think, well, David really wasn't the, the, the absolute best person. I mean, David fell in love with the wife of one of his friends. He sent his friend to the front lines in a battle so his friend could be killed and so that he could then marry his friend's wife. Uh, he did a bunch of other things, too. It's also the same David that killed Goliath, but that, that's the guy. Well, that may not have been the guy that God wanted to build his temple. It turned out God wanted Solomon, the son of David, to build the temple. But David had created this peace in the area, and had he not created that peace, Solomon probably couldn't have built the temple. I mean, try to envision Solomon. He's fighting off the bad guys over here, and he's trying to lay bricks over there. It, just, it doesn't work. So, so th there's two different jobs. You know, David had a very important job, but his job was very different from Solomon's. It's not the same job for everyone. Uh, another example is the story of Martha and Mary in the New Testament. That's in Luke chapter 10. In, in that story, Jesus is coming to visit, and you can imagine if Jesus is coming to visit your house. I mean, you're going to be cleaning everything. You're going to be cooking meals. I have no idea what Martha was doing, but Martha was the worker in the family. She was the one who was getting the house ready for the company, okay? And, and this is no one less than Jesus who's coming to visit. So Martha is doing all this work. Jesus comes to visit, and Martha's sister Mary sits down, and she's chatting up Jesus, well, well, that's, you know, and Martha's kind of getting her feelings hurt. Martha goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, you know, tell Mary to, to come help me do all these chores. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't tell, say, Mary, go do the work. He says, no, Martha, you missed the point. You know, this is an opportunity. How many chances do you have to speak to Jesus, okay? How many times are you going to have Jesus in your house? This is the time to visit. You're actually messing up. 
by cleaning the pots and doing the laundry. That, that, that's not the time to be doing that. And how many times have we done that in our own families and in our own circumstances? We, we're so busy doing the work that we miss the point of what it is that we're supposed to be enjoying. Uh, and, and my favorite story that, that's along these lines is the story of Joseph, the, the husband of Mary and the father of Jesus. Joseph had a calling. Uh, he was called upon to marry the pregnant girl. Uh, you know, that, that's a, a pretty big calling in that day. Uh, if that had happened, uh, many times the girl could have been stoned. Uh, but he was called upon them to marry Mary. He was called upon to be the earthly father of Jesus. But what, what did he do after that? Did he do a bunch of miracles? No. You don't hear much about Joseph. Actually, you don't hear hardly anything about Joseph. But what was Joseph doing? Joseph was a carpenter. You know, tr try to picture that. You know, picture the tools of that day. He's out there with busted knuckles, cut hands, working like a dog to bring food home to feed a family. That was his job. Was it important? You better believe it was. It, it was critical. Uh, I'm sure that God could have done it some other way, but that was the way he chose to do it. He chose to have Joseph do that work to, so that the, the child Jesus could grow up in, in that environment. But that's certainly not a glamorous calling. Uh, Joseph certainly wasn't called to do all those spiritual gifts. He may have done them. But, but the story of Joseph that we get is a story of a father working very diligently to support his family. So, so what do we learn from all this? I, I hope we at least learn, uh, if I've done anything, that, that we don't all have the same callings. Number two, we don't have to do everything. And number three, maybe we need to stop trying to do what we're not called to do. Well, well, okay, so maybe you buy into that. But then, it, so that's all the negative part. Well, then how, how do we know what it is that we are supposed to do? I mean, we, we know that, okay, there's some stuff that doesn't feel right. We realize we're overdoing. What is it that we're supposed to do? Well, we got an answer to that one. Uh, it was a pretty good guy who gave the clue. Uh, it was Jesus. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I like that last part. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, you've got to be careful here. He's not saying that you don't have any work to do. He's not saying that you don't have any responsibilities. He's not saying, believe in me and kick back in the hammock and somebody else is going to paint in the corner behind the toilet. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that you do have a yoke. You, you do have a responsibility to put on. But it should be light. It, it should be something that you feel good about doing. If you are out there, uh, if I'm trying to do the electricity, I am stressed, okay? That's not the job for me. Painting in the corner behind the toilet turned out to be just fine. That yoke fit me right. I was actually able to enjoy and, and, and take joy and comfort in the people who were doing the other jobs. Somebody did need to do the touch-up work behind the toilet, so I, it got done. But, but that yoke and that job fit me. So it doesn't mean no work. This concept of the yoke is easy and the burden is light, it doesn't mean no work. It means good work. 
It means good work. It means, it means work that makes you feel good down in your soul. And the other part of this is that you have to be careful that there's no, this doesn't mean that there's no exemptions. And I'll, I'll give you a couple of uh, quick examples here. It doesn't mean that you get a free pass. Uh, a couple of easy examples are, uh, think of giving. Uh, you, you may be somebody, that's one of the spiritual gifts. You'll find it in that list on your, on your notes back there. Uh, there may be someone whose financial circumstances are better than your own. So it's easy to say, oh, well, I don't have the gift of giving. So-and-so has better finances. They need to give. I'm exempt. Well, no, that doesn't work. You know, you, you need to give to the extent of your abilities. And granted, someone who's in different circumstances, they may be able to, to, to give more. Uh, another example is, uh, is the gift of service. Uh, you know, some people may, doesn't mean you don't do anything. Some people may be called to, to make coffee for, for the church. Some people may, may work in the children's ministry. Uh, so th there are different services that you can give. And I like this other example. I won't claim credit for this one. That same person on the talk radio show that was talking that kind of reinforced my idea about stress being caused by what you're not called to be, uh, they, they gave an example uh, of the spiritual gift of exhortation versus admonition. Uh, exhortation is the, the gift of encouragement. That's just, just a fancy word for encouragement. And admonition is just a fancy word for kind of helping people with their problems. And this other speaker said, you know, think of this. Like, after, suppose after church today, you're, you're walking out in the back, having a cup of coffee on the patio, and one of your friends comes up to you, and, and you can tell that they're troubled. You can tell that they're really worried about something, and they want to talk to you about it. And, and you're not really too comfortable with that, you know. But you know they need some encouragement. They need some exhortation, Okay. Well, that's not really your strong thing. You know, you may, we're all good at admonition. We're all good about saying, hey, listen, you've got a real problem with this. Let me tell you how to fix it. Now, this person comes up and speaks to you after church today, and, and, and you know they need some exhortation, some encouragement. You can't really tell them, look, I'm not the encouragement guy. I'm not the exhortation guy. I'm the admonition guy. If you need some help with that exhortation, go see him. But when you're ready for somebody to point out what your shortcomings are, I'm your guy. Well, no, uh, you, you don't get those free passes. And, and it's by working in those areas that we're maybe not too comfortable uh, that, that we, we grow what's called some spiritual muscle. Uh, that's how we, we grow spiritually. That, that's how we learn to, to get out of our comfort zones. That, that's how we learn to be a little deeper, a little deeper Christian. So remember, you, you don't get these, these free passes. So uh, I'd like for us to maybe take these, uh, these concepts that I've been talking about today. And, and this, this talk was originally planned for a couple of months ago. Uh, and we, we changed it around a couple of times. And so here we are right before New Year's Eve. And, and I'm not too sure uh, that the Holy Spirit doesn't really know what he's doing. Because here we are at New Year's Eve. Uh, and, and people typically make New Year's resolutions. And, and I think a lot of this talk today really is applicable to that. Uh, and, and let's look at New Year's resolutions. We certainly do New Year's resolutions. But we tend to focus in that area that I referred to as your personal circumstances, don't we? We, we tend to talk about, well, I'm going to eat healthy, I'm going to exercise more, maybe I'm going to do something more at work. Well, that's more in that personal circumstances area, and, and that's okay. We, we do need to make those. But, but when we're making those resolutions, let, let's also 
try to keep in mind that there are other people in our lives, in our day-to-day -day lives, like the people who did the work in this church, that, and this applies to people in our family, like the, the kids in our family. It may be their time to shine. Mom may be the one who can load the dishwasher the fastest, and maybe the kids won't necessarily load it quite the way mom might have, but it might be a great time to let the kids load the dishwasher, let mom go do something else. The dishes are going to be okay. Uh, you know, let the kids clean their room. may not be the greatest thing, but they're learning from that. They feel good about that. It's your chance to praise them for something that they did. And, and that can be part of a New Year's resolution, too. Uh, and it's also a good time to give people, to honor the people who, who have done work. When, when the kids do a good job at home, when the people did a great job in, the, in this building, they got a lot of encouragement from, from the people like me who were painting in the corners. Uh, you know, it, it's, we're really lucky to, to have them. And, and so let's make, as part of our New Year's resolution, to remember encouraging the people who are helping us to do the things in our lives. And then on, on the more spiritual side, uh, I'd like for everyone to take home the, the back of your announcements today. It's got that list of spiritual gifts on them. Uh, you know, t take a look at them sometime. Uh, look at the areas where, where maybe you have a calling. And, and maybe that's an area where, where maybe you might want to give a little more, participate a little more. Uh, I didn't mean giving in, in a sense of financial giving, but I meant more in, of giving of yourself. Uh, to, to participate in those areas where you feel gifted. Uh, you'll know those areas. Those are the areas where when you're doing them, you feel good about it. Uh, and, and the time passes quickly, and, and you feel a joy in your heart when you're doing those things. Try to do some of those things. Make those things a, a focus for the upcoming year. But, but they will be different for, for different people, uh, and, and they're, not everyone is going to have the same callings. Uh, but if you look at those, look at your strengths, look at the areas where you feel good, and, and try to do those things in the upcoming year, you may begin to kind of mesh that spiritual life with your personal circumstances. And that's really what we should strive for as Christians. So uh, I'd like to leave with that thought today, uh, and, and I'll just end with a prayer if uh, I, think, I think it's that time. Um, Heavenly Father, we, we first of all want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here together. Uh, we thank you that we live in a country where we can practice our religion without fear of persecution. Uh, help us to remember that we do have different gifts, both in our personal circumstances and in our spiritual lives. Give us the strength to go through these lists in our heads today as we're making our New Year's resolutions. Help us to put together our personal lives and our spiritual lives in a more comprehensive way. Help us to realize where we're gifted and also help us to realize where perhaps we're not so gifted. Uh, and give us the strength and the courage to sometimes pass on some of those tasks and help us sometimes to not be quite so much Martha and maybe a little bit more Mary. These things we ask for in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.